um, in 18. Here then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away and has been sown, uh, what has been sown in his heart. So the first part, here then the parable of the sower. Anyone who hears the word is what? What is that? What's the word in the original parable? It's the seed. It's the seed. So when you go out and you encounter people, you're to be sowers of seed along with Jesus who's sowing seed um, into people's lives. He's the words of God being sowed into people's lives, being planted into people's lives. And so he's giving us some pretty clear insight that as you go out and you preach the word, you speak life into people, you put a seed out there, it's going to fall on four different types of soil. The first one being the one where any, um, in 18 it says, uh, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So, so you have the sown that wasn't even put on soil. It was just put on uh, a, a seed that was put on the path. And the birds of the air come and just snatch it away immediately. And this is really important to understand. Birds typically in Scripture are always, and you can do a study on it, but they're typically always um, um, in relation to the demonic influence. So as you go to Ethiopia, you preach the word. You're teaching the word. You're sowing seed. You you know immediately there's, the enemy is going to going to attack and snatch that seed back. He's going to steal that seed, a part of it. Now, part of that seed that you that you put out there is going to be attacked by the enemy and removed. Now another type, another type of soil. Uh, this was what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the world, he immediately he falls away. And as for what was sown, oh, and then I'll put that one. But so you have this this seed that was sown on on what type of ground? What type, well, how was the ground? It was rocky ground, right? What's that? What do you think? If soil is a picture of a person's heart, what is rocky ground? Hard heart. Hard heart, right? So sometimes you throw your seed out there. You, 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 you put the word out there. You, you're, you're evangelizing to somebody. And, and it comes back and is, is received, but only in the sense of, it's only received in the sense of, that's kind of cool, but their heart is rocky. It's been hardened by sin and different things like that. Their soul has been, been um, is anchored in different places uh, with sin. And so, they're, and so, they're, and so they're, the seed never has any depth to it. The soil never has any depth to it. It can never take root in the person's life. It's never going to have the opportunity to produce, to produce any type of fruit because the soil is too rocky. It hasn't been cleared free yet of all the different debris. I'm not saying, this isn't saying, get your life right. That's not the, the message. This is the person who is, is, is so hardened that they, they don't have any depth to produce to, for a seed to actually take root in their life. And so, immediately, as soon as tribulation comes along, it burns up. They're gone. They're coming to church for like two or three Two or three uh, weeks, four weeks, whatever, maybe a year. It gets a little bit hard, 
right? And they're gone. It gets a little bit tough sometimes, and they're gone. And you've seen that person, I've seen that person over and over. You know, like they hang around for a year, they get real excited because they come down front maybe, or whatever it may be, they get excited, this is a really cool thing, but ultimately their heart has been hardened in such a way that the, the, the seed actually never bears any fruit. It never has the opportunity to take root. Then the third person. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and his deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. So you have the, the, the third type, right? Which is a person that, that which is a person that it begins to take root, but it's got this idea of weeds and thorns. Begin to choke it out. What is this person overly concerned with? Money, yeah, money. Or the different things of the world. Status, image, all those different things. They're, they're cool with Jesus. They're cool with Jesus for a short time until it kind of, it, 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 until it takes uh, an effect on their wallet. They're okay with Jesus for a short time until they're no longer, like, cool, you know? Or, I don't even know what a good word for cool is anymore, because I'm not cool. Um, but, uh, so they, they, as soon as it takes an effect on their everyday life, it gets choked out of them. It's no longer, no longer going to have any root. So, you got those three people. But then you come to a person, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, even another sixty, and another thirty. So, the Lord has given us like great insight here, I think, in that He's given us an evangelism strategy, not a strategy as much as a, uh, a, a, a prophetic outline of what's going to happen in our evangelical ministry, which we all hopefully have to some degree. There's going to be different soils along the way. And we find in the final one, a soil that's been prepared, that's been ready, that's been filled up, that's been removed the rocky places out of it. Remember when we were in Ethiopia and you crossed the line between, between um, what's the two places? The Amara and the Afar. The Amara and the Afar. What was the difference? What, you, what was it? Dry, dry, and rocky. Yeah, dry and rocky. And, and was, there, was there really like, it was a huge difference, right? I mean, you cross that border and it's completely different. What if the Amara people know different? What did they do different? They knew how to farm, right? They'd till the ground. Yeah. They picked up the rocks and they would stick, stack them in the walls. They would irrigate their farms. And so their soil was ready to be, uh, uh, to take root and have a seed and, and, and grow fruit out of it. So, when it comes to our evangelical ministry, uh, you, all you evangelists out there, if, if this was prophetic, uh, how, how much is your success rate going to be? In this, 25%. 25% at best, right? 
And that may not even be completely accurate. So, but, but, here's the hope at the same time. One out of four still receives the word. Even, even, yeah, boom. I like it. Um, even if it's just one out of four, uh, or even if it's one out of 400, it's still one out of 400. That receive the word and it brings forth fruit. And that should encourage you. That should encourage you that there's going to be good soil out there that's, that's first been tilled by the Holy Spirit. But secondly, this is what's so important about youth ministry. And this is why I love youth ministry, all right? And, and kids ministry. This is what's so important about what you guys are doing now, man. This is what's so important. The Lord allows us the opportunity to go out and till that soil. The Lord allows us opportunities to go into the kids' lives that are below us and remove some of those rocks. To go in and kind of irrigate those the, that farmland, to till it up so it's good soil. Uh, scripture is pretty clear that we have the opportunity to play a, a part in, in the role of our kids being good soil. That we have the opportunity to be people who partner with the Lord as He leads us, guides us, directs us to see soil. So even at CSU, as we see hard soil, right? As we see rocky places, the Lord gives us the opportunity through time and effort and years and, and it's going to take a while. It doesn't happen necessarily overnight. Through the hard work that a farmer might do, you have the opportunity to go in and really pull out those rocky places, to take out the weeds and the thorns that are in the way, that are entrapping people. You have the opportunity to bring fresh water into a place. You have the opportunity to see the soil be tilled up and become good, good soil to where when you actually speak the word into a place, it has the opportunity to take root and, and, and bear fruit in a place. And so the thing about it is, as well, and we talked about this some last week, is as Christians, as you and I are Christians, we are going to bear fruit because we are a fruit that's going to be fruitful. Does that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> Let me think how to say that exactly. Uh, but but the scripture has called us to be fruitful, and that uh, and that as we are on this Christian walk, I'm trying to be nice. House, I'm trying to be nice uh, and diplomatic how I say this. But if you're a Christian, you're going to be bearing fruit for the Lord. There's no, there's just really no way around it. Uh, like scripture is fairly clear that if the Holy Spirit dwells within you. You're going to be producing fruit and other fruit around you. And so, and so it gives us this clarity um, in terms of the people that are around us, the, 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 uh, what people's hearts are like. It begins to show us that there's going to be hard people that we deal with, that there's going to be with, within our evangel evangelical circles, you know, there's going to be people who fall away. There's going to be people that we see that get there, get choked out by the word, you know, when uh, when different things come along. So, or get choked out, I'm sorry. And so, going on, this is a really interesting passage, if you get it. And it will give you a lot of insight, I think, into 
church world. The tares and the, uh, and the wheat. So, he put another parable before them, saying, this is 24, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. So who's the, who's the man sowing seed? This is Jesus, right? Um, we kind of get a picture of this beforehand. It, what's the field? Uh, it's us, the world. Those, uh, it, it's going out into the world, sowing good seed. The seed is the word. But while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with the along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So, we get this, another just like deep, just jam-packed, insightful um, parable that really gives us this clarity. And as, as, as you would go down and read the explanation, it would say that Jesus is the sower of this field. And you begin to get this idea of a difference between the kingdom. He explains this, the difference between the kingdom and the church, okay? But within the, the kingdom, this, this seed is going to be sowed, all right? And what's the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of God? It's the what? Yeah, it's, it's the world. It's like it's kind of like what God is going to rule and reign one day in, in a place, and it's His system. And and within that, we get something called Christendom. And this, I hope this is insightful and helpful to you. So you get something called Christendom. So CSU is a Christian school. Now, is everybody in CSU a Christian? No. Are you serious? It's not part of the application process? Uh, everybody doesn't go to church on Sundays? Everybody's, um, um, you know, on, on Friday nights or just going to, like, football games and the movies, right? You know? Uh, no, that was, uh, that, that's, that's obviously not the case. But within a system of Christianity where we say this is a Christian school, there's actually people among us who are not actually Christians. And that's, that, that's kind of um, weird to think about. This, this wheat, the word um, sowed weeds, is actually the word dar Darnell. That's not a name, Darnell. That's actually a, <laughs> it's actually a type of wheat that looks just like wheat. Now that's interesting to me. Now, so what it's saying is, under Christendom, in the system of Christianity, there's going to be people who look just like wheat around you. They're going to look just like wheat. 
They're going to look just like you and I in a lot of ways, except they're weeds. They're actually weeds. And so within Christendom, we're going to see people come along who proclaim the name of Jesus. And this is incredibly important within the Christian church to understand this, okay? Uh, within the American church to understand this. That there's going to be people sitting beside you in church who are not going to be Christians. Scripture prophetically says that. Now, here's the difference. Here's the difference. This is really big. The church is completely pure. The kingdom is going to be refined one day. And so, the church is completely pure. They're the bride of Christ. So, the people sitting in the pews aren't necessarily all Christians, but the church is sitting within those pews at times. And, but it is completely pure. But in the kingdom of God, is all going to be refined one day. It's going to be purified one day. And so, the, the, the thing about it is, is, as Christians, we may get frustrated with that. We may say, like, why does... Why does CSU allow people who are non-believers to, to be in this place, you know? Why does this happen like that? We may get frustrated with it, but the scripture actually says what? It says, don't gather. What does it say? It says, don't gather lest you actually uproot the, the wheat along with the weeds. And so Jesus says in the midst, and this is just super insightful, I hope, I, hope you, I hope you get it, is don't go around saying, is saying you're, you're not a Christian, you are a Christian, you're not a Christian, you are a Christian. That's not the point of what Jesus is trying to say in this story. He, he's actually saying, walk with the, what's that? Yeah, don't worry about it. Let Jesus figure it out in the end. He's going to be the, the, the person who sifts out the bad from the good. Allow Jesus to work those things out. You keep on doing what I've called you to do, and, and allow me to worry about those things. Don't worry about those things. Don't worry about those things. I'll, I'll figure it out in the end. When I come to gather it all, it'll all be made right. The person who's, who's you know... Uh, um, proclaiming the name of Jesus and and then you see him cheating on the task in the next minute, you know, like you don't have to worry about like calling them out and then saying, you you know <laughs> cheater <laughs> you know, like let the Lord figure that stuff out in the end and so and so we get this we, get, we begin to get this this idea of what Jesus is coming to say, and this is this is the last parable I'll work through, but I think it's the most actually misquoted parable in all of Scripture. Maybe one of the most misquoted um, passages in all of Scripture. But you've got to look at it in the context of the rest of the 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 rest of the rest of these scriptures. And if you would like to talk to me about it afterwards. I'd love to talk to you about it, and we could work through it maybe even more, and maybe I'll change my mind. But I think this is one of the most valuable and insightful parables that you um, um, will ever read. And it was for me, okay? And this is a really big one, I think. 
Remember, the church is what? The church is what? Completely pure. The field is what? In all these stories, pure. I mean, is the world? Is the world or, or the kingdom? And who's the man in all the stories? Who's the man in all the stories? Jesus. I want you to read this. 44. This is huge. This is really big. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine, pure pearls. Man, I can't speak tonight. Pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now most of the time we teach this parable as in what way? We're the man. Yeah, we're the man. We go and should sell all we, all we have. I think that's wrong. If you put it in context of the rest of the passages of who the man was, what the field was, uh, everything else that was going on in the, in the previous ones, even explaining past this, that the Lord is, is looking to refine to find this pure bride, and it's become super powerful for us and the Lord, and, and shows, shows his, his glory in this, I think. See, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man, if you were to read it like Jesus, found, he covered up. In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pure pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. What I think Jesus is saying in this parable is that the church is a fine pearl. He sold all he had for it and bought it. And so the, 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 when you read it that way, the, the, the narrative changes from, let me go sell whatever I've got for the Lord. But we realize, actually, here's the problem with that. It, you know, Jesus does say, like, drop everything you're doing and follow me. But when it comes to Jesus, like, my whole heart will never be in that. I can never do all that I can for Jesus. But Jesus did all he needed to do for me. And so the, the, the transition to, to, to reading this, this becomes huge because you realize that you have worth, that you have value. And Jesus sold everything he had, or the Lord ultimately gave up everything he had in his son. And, it, and scripture says, scripture says that, that God bought you with a high price. He bought you with a high price. He bought you with the price of his son's death. And so you were bought with a high price. And he sees you as a pearl of great price. He believed that you were worth that. And so it changes our identity a little bit in that when we, when we see these insightful parables, he begins to, he begins to really 
show us who we are. And he begins to just work through what it's like to be in this world and as we evangelize and what the and we get begin to see the big picture of what Jesus is doing in the world around us. How he's refining the people for himself, how he's how he's at work in the lives around people, how he's tilling up that soil and the part we get to play in that. And as we, we come to this place, we get to see how great Jesus is and how much he loves us. And so these, these parables, as maybe we'll work through some in the next um, couple Sundays, this can be really helpful and insightful. And they take you from a place of, of walking in a world that's kind of cloudy, and they move you into a place where you begin to see the world as it is. You begin to look at the world with spiritual eyes. And, and uh, as John worked through so well this morning, just the importance of moving from seeing the world with, the, with uh, fleshy eyes and moving into a place where you begin to see the world spiritually makes all the difference. John, do you got anything? No. Okay. What what if we could spend just a little time in just prayer, asking the Lord for some spiritual insight, just into your world around you? Um, Robbie, if you want to come up and play, and just do this first song. Really ask yourself, especially you females, ask yourself this. Um. I'm picking out the females because I think this is a bigger issue for um, I see myself as a pearl of great price. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but even more so um, the females. You know, I think that's something you probably struggle with maybe more than um, the men do at times. But understanding your value in the Lord is key to your identity. And so, and so if, if you can begin to understand that um, Jesus, Jesus paid it all for you guys' life, and he sees you as this, this perfect, you know, this perfect pearl, you know, like pearls were even more worth more than diamonds in those days. Like pearls, pearls actually had, um, in those days, had more value than we would think of the highest price diamonds and different things. If you could find a pearl, you were, you were lucky. And I, I promise you, if you begin to see yourself as God sees you, you'll begin to see yourself as a pearl. And a lot of guys will be really lucky when they find it. And so, um, going to this time is really thinking, you know, like, do I have these spiritual eyes to, to, to just really see the, myself as the Lord sees me? Do I have these spiritual eyes to see the world as the world it is? Um, and, yeah, this walk is Jesus to see the world. So let's pray. Let's kind of pray through this first song. Lord, I pray that you would give us spiritual insight and we would take the blinders off and that we would uh, 
see things differently. And so, Lord, I just, I just pray that these people who have been faithful see things come out. Lord, I pray that you would give them those spiritual eyes because they go out in so areas, Lord, that they're at work in certain areas, so many areas. Thank you. 